Hi, Emma. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Great. Well, uh, this is Emma Larkins. She has designed uh, Abandon All Artichokes, as well as the upcoming uh, Starry Night, which I got to check out at Gen Con uh, this past summer of 2022. And she's uh, designed um, several other little games like Squabbling Goblins from Buttonshy, right? You're listening to Board Game Games Season 5, Episode 3, as I talk with Emma Larkins, designer of Abandon All Artichokes, Squabbling Goblins, and the upcoming Starry Night Sky. Thanks for listening as we continue to explore the world of tabletop games. And yeah. um, some some other little games, and and maybe even going to show us some of those those games that I, are kind of harder to find. I, I I did try to look for a couple of them, but yeah. Um, so been doing game design for a few years, and as also on the, the Ludology uh, podcast for a while too. So thanks for being here tonight, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to start with a, a, a silly uh, little um, quiz. Uh, about about vegetables um but before well you can say whatever you want uh you want about artichokes but i i I, do i understand it correctly that you hate artichokes in real life too is that is that Uh, right no i (laughs) okay i have nothing against artichokes i I like artichokes i like eating them it it's it's funny because i get asked this a lot or i just see people talking i was like what does this person have against artichokes and i never really came at it from that direction and i try to defend myself um but things work against me so for example the japanese title for abandoned all artichokes literally translates to i hate artichokes (laughs) so it's just pushing more and more that direction eventually i'm gonna have to embrace it this is my villain origin story just like oh yeah artichokes (laughs) killed my family and murdered my dog And and then and then you made a movie with Keanu Reeves and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> my dream <laughs> yes <laughs> all right no, no I mean but I mean it is true that they're uh, poisonous if you don't harvest them at the right time so that's important right so really I didn't know that oh oh really oh yeah yeah because like uh, if they actually fully turn into the flowers then they're just um, a, a thistle right they're, they're just yes. a, a thistle with yeah. poisonous stuff in them yeah anyway mm. oh, okay okay <laughs> uh, um, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay so um what here, here's the first question uh, and, and it's random and if you know i'm going to be amazed but we'll, we'll see what happens with it but what is the fourth most produced vegetable in the world is it carrots potatoes or peas oh gosh fourth most <laughs> uh carrots potatoes or peas i feel potatoes are used in a lot of things like potato starch and stuff. So I feel like they're higher up there. Um, Peas also, I'm going to guess carrots. It was, actually, it was actually potatoes. So like, it is, I, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and I, I have no idea whether the the source I, I used or not was right, but they, they said there's about 350 million tons of uh, potatoes uh, every year uh, produced. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next one is when were, so this one's about carrots. When Mm -hmm. were orange carrots widely introduced? And well, we'll talk about that more in a second. Was it the 17th century and was it political or was it the 15th century from India or was it the 18th century to battle scurvy? Oh, good question. 
you're saying introduced. So I would guess that the, as a root vegetable, they started out kind of plain colored, like many other roots. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's the beta carotene in them. (laughs) Scurvy, um, the 1800 scurvy, is that? No, I I just threw that in there to to (laughs) be completely silly because, you know, Uh or oranges and scurvy. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, that's the one I guessed. (laughs) Yeah, 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 right. Okay, you got me. um, Well, the Dutch try to claim it as an uh, an homage to William of Orange in 1721 huh. okay. uh, but that's kind of debated but it was hmm. definitely early on that that the Dutch were doing something with uh, white and purple carrots and, and hmm. mixing them to make them pro- yeah. probably to make it more com- uh, commercially viable um yeah that's weird hmm. it's weird so William and Orange, uh, William of Orange, and the Dutch and carrots. So, anyways, wow, uh, fascinating. <laughs> and then finally, um, Jerusalem artichokes is where I thought we would end. What is the other name for a Jerusalem artichoke? Are, are you familiar with them? That they're, they're uh, actually a, a tuber vegetable, kind of, kind of. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was gonna give you three options. So you, you still, oh, yeah, 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 you still have three options. Okay. So, is, is it an arty potato, a hmm. sun choke, or a tuber choke? Sun choke, it is a sun choke. Yes. That, that is yeah. the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, that, that, those are just completely made up names that I, I was yeah. trying to, yeah. So, um <laughs> And you can make similar dishes to them. That's why people think that they're related, but they're nothing at all related to artichokes. So this game is a lot of fun. I've taught I've taught it to a lot of people. Um, how long? Because it's it, it feels like a pretty simple game, hmm. but but how long did it ke- take for you to come up with it? Because just because a game plays simply doesn't mean that the development was was simple. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, very much. It- was a process. It was actually a name first design. So the abandoned all artichokes name was in a list of alliterative game names that I made up as a brainstorming exercise. So people wonder if it came from the hatred is like, literally I was putting together words like, uh, obvious otters and just things like that and just brainstorming and a man all artichokes came out of that and then it was about eight months or so later that i did an exercise where i made a board game every day for a week i prototyped it very Mm -hmm. very rough stuff um and so the name came back and i made a quick and dirty prototype that was a deck builder deck wrecker uh i was going to i think packs unplugged for the first time i think it was the first year they did it and i sent out some emails hmm. uh game right and a couple of other people were interested in this weird little game that i made so yeah showed it to some people it was promising uh but after that it was like two or so two or more years of development um i went through 142 iterations of different card powers wow. some that were just minor number tweaks but yeah there was a lot of back and forth to get it it's such a tight game you know yeah, with all yeah. the there's no currency no points so really had to work to dial it in and make everything work yeah yeah well i i think that that's probably why it it, it teaches so well and, and uh you know even younger kids can can pick up on it uh 
because you did all that work. Like you did all the work so that it feels simple. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. Um, what What is your favorite card in the game? Do you have a favorite card? Potato. Or- potato. <laughs> well, it's, it's good we talked about potatoes. Good. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, they're know. all my children, right? You're not supposed to have favorites, but like just the, the face <laughs> on the potato. Yeah. And it's funny because I had the prototype cards. I actually had yeah. fruits and vegetables and then game right turned it into only vegetables, but they took a lot of inspiration from my prototype art. And I'm pretty sure the potato had that kind of just very flat, uh, <laughs> kind of upset, but kind of bored expression. Yeah. And and then the effect of it, it's look at the top card of your deck. If it's uh, an artichoke, you compost it. So it's got that chaos factor and that uncertain factor. And I just, I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it's cool because uh, I have seen your game in grocery stores and in mm. uh, bookstores and in game stores. So it's one of the few games that, that's kind of made that that crossover in, in yeah. a few places. Um, what else um, I, did you do before this? Thing? You, you said you were doing um, the, the game a week challenge. Mm-hmm. I have tried that. I am not disciplined enough to do that. <laughs> Um, what, what, what else, uh, have you, have you designed before that you would maybe like to come back to? Yeah. Well, first off, I want to say, I have tried the challenge, uh, before or since then I've tried it a few times and never quite gotten to the success of that first one. So it's, oh, okay. <laughs> it, it is tough. And yeah. a lot of it has to do with your parameters that you set for it. Uh, but yeah, this was, my third game that got published, my first game, first game was Heart Catchers, a mm-hmm. two-player game of secrets and deception. That one is no longer available, but it did morph into Squabbling Goblins. So uh, okay. uh, I was lucky to eventually get the rights back to that game. It was a small Kickstarter, uh, did decently. A lot of people enjoyed it, but that was my very first game. So mm-hmm. it was really satisfying for me to come back to it having been in the industry for uh three or four more years and be like wow this i made a lot of choices here that wow <laughs> um well, okay so wait what, yeah. what, what, what does that wow mean that sounds like that's a a very full wow of uh, 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 uh yeah <laughs> so i had this i was just very much in my own head for it. I had the, there was three colors of card, red, blue, and green. And they were little aliens that were heart shaped. Uh Um, and there was this whole catching mechanic where like blue catches red, red catches green, green catches blue. I don't even remember if those were the colors, but the idea was you put the right color card on top of the other one. And it was confusing, like, okay, does it go under? Does it go over? And <laughs> arbitrary. And when I came back and looked at it, I was like, oh, maybe it could be numbers instead. I was like, wait, what if you could just put any card on any pile? Mm-hmm. And the game, it opened things up and it worked very similar. Um, it had the, still the similar vibe to it, but just really opened up the, the strategy and the interest of the game. And, and, you know, when we published the game, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. This is done, you know? So it's just... Mm-hmm it's really interesting to come back to something and you never know like a game when it gets published, sometimes you're like, yes, this is the perfect version. Sometimes you're like, yes, good. We'll see how it plays out, uh, when it hits the public. But, um, 
yeah, it's, it's weird to come back and be like, and to see things so clearly through the lens of a few more years. Yeah. I mean, did you get that sort of, of feedback on the, on the original game uh, or, or is this just mainly the fact that you know, you, you know, you're, you're the wizard behind, behind the curtain now more than, than you used to be. Yeah. I think the, there was some minor confusion. Some players okay. had some confusion, like I said, in the rules, how it worked, you know, so it was all there, all the pieces of it were there, but when people were playing, they would get confused by it. And as a designer, there's always kind of this interesting tension. If you ever see people get confused, is it, is that okay? Is this game just not for those people? Um, is it something that's powerful or important or fun enough in the game that, mm -hmm. cause every game is going to confuse someone, you know, mm -hmm. especially I make lighter games. So a lot of people who don't play a lot of games come to them and sometimes that confusion can be good. Like in artichokes, learning a deck builder is a huge hurdle for some people who've never played games before, mm -hmm. but then when it clicks, it's so satisfying. So mm -hmm. having a little confusion there is worth it in the end. So it's as a designer, you kind of got to piece out which areas of confusion are okay. And which are yeah. actually people telling, you, no, this could really be said and done in a better way. Yeah. Um, so that, that was your first. And then what was your, your second game? Was uh, that? Go ahead. That was in, then we died mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. cooperative storytelling game where you play as ghosts, trying to figure out how you all died together. So uh, you can, move on to the other side and that was a weird game that kind of came to me in a dream i don't really like uh, i like spooky things i don't like scary things so i'm like oh, i'm gonna make uh -huh. this game about death it's kind of weird but as it evolved it was it's a little spooky mostly funny and really kind of fun and introspective and makes people kind of see things from a different perspective uh, and I think that one I actually submitted to the cardboard Edison contest, I think. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, I found who had been one of the judges was the person who would eventually become the, the publisher, uh, released that at Essen 500 copies, my first time at Essen. So that was super fun. Yeah. Um, that one, unfortunately the publisher eventually went under, but I did get the rights back to it. Um, and I have some exciting future plans for it. Nothing I can announce yet, but hope to announce in the near future, potentially PAX Unplugged. That'd be awesome. Yeah. 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 Are, are, are you going to, are, are you going to be able to play the game with people there at PAX Unplugged, even if you can't announce yet? Um, I'm going to, ha <laughs> I'll have it and then we die there. It's, it's, mechanically very similar to and then we died yeah. uh because it was always a great game it's very near and dear to my heart yeah. the the big thing like the packaging and the art style mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh they, they worked for for what it was but i think to reach a broader it, it was tarot themed with uh using the art from one of the original tarot decks which is oh, okay. uh open source right. now what's right. the creative commons, whatever the term is. So, and it is like cool, but I'm like, I think we could step this up a little bit. So hoping to just make some polishing upgrades and re-release it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, 
so do, do you see a game like that as being more part of uh, the, the, the board game card game world or more part of the RPG world, or it, do you see it as kind of bridging the gap between the two um, because of the focus is on storytelling? How, how do you see a game like that? That's a great question. I, <laughs> I would say of what exists and is commonly known to people definitely more in the board game space mm -hmm. but i would love to have a third category that was i mean story games is a category but it's not one that's super well known and rpgs are just even the simplest are even like a, a two-page rpg something like honey heist or, or whatever mm -hmm. it's there's still a lot going on and a lot of kind of background knowledge that's super helpful for even being able to get into that space. Mm -hmm. uh, I think as someone who is pulled into D and D with a lot of people who knew a lot more than me, uh -huh. uh, it was, it was a fun experience, but again, a lot. And I think a lot of people want to tell stories, mm -hmm. but, and get into RPGs because of that. And some people that works for them, but I think there's a lot of people who end up a little frustrated just because of the level of commitment usually required for that. Uh, and I think story games can really, really be things that anyone can jump into. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So just simple ways to tell stories together. I think it's a really cool design space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Starry Night, uh, that's all done, and that's coming out. Uh, when, when is that going to be released? Uh, soon, TM. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, I. Well, I, I just had Matt well, Melandes on, on the podcast, and that um, I don't know when I'm going to get yours released, but uh, but but he was just talking about like he's having tons of fulfillment problems so yeah so yeah yeah go, go the, ahead go ahead yeah uh supposed to be bring it up here we have the the pre-production copy so we do have yeah. the we've got the art we've got the shiny on everything i think everything is pretty much nailed down as far as the design goes uh last i heard was q1 2023 mm -hmm. But that seems very soon for not having heard more in the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, and I think most publishers are going through this right now. And most designers yeah. are going through this right now. Uh, not just delays, but shifting timings for things. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm very patient. I'm working on my patience here because I'm just... <laughs> um, yeah, it is like it, it will come when it comes. The latest intel I have is within the next, I guess, four or five months. Um, but I'm I'm hopefully gonna have more news about that soon. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, GameRight doesn't have to do the whole crowdfunding thing and, and and so forth. They don't really have that model. So that's so this one is it's a little oh, confusing. I... This one is actually from Buffalo Games. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, no worries. The... But you were you were at the game right. Booth with it, right? Yeah. So Buffalo okay, okay. Games, like a year or so ago, bought Game Right. So oh, I Buffalo that. Games okay. is is a company that's a little more well known for their puzzles. So mm -hmm. Buffalo Puzzles, um, they're based in upstate New York, near mm -hmm. Buffalo, obviously. Uh, 
but they're moving more into the board game space and even more potentially into the hobby board game space. So they're still, they, they haven't really done conventions traditionally because they've mostly just gone straight to big box stores. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're kind of working out that the thing with game, right? Like, are they going to share a booth or whatever? So it's, uh, it's a cool space to be in right now to see how that's coming together. Yeah. Cause, uh, but they, they used to go to the toy fair in new york i believe uh yeah that, Buff- I think, buffalo did yeah yeah toy fair but not uh like consumer facing conventions right which yeah. is yeah that, that that's a whole nother thing um the, the only reason i say that is when i worked in retail we sold a lot of puzzles too yeah and, and yeah so anyway uh okay so that's an interesting space to be in then to, to be with a, a company who's big enough to not have to worry about that, but is still kind of new yeah. <laughs> to that whole yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, if uh, so are, are they, you know, without getting in, into the weeds with it too much, mm. but are, are, are they still exploring like how they're going to promote your game? Cause they're excited about it. Is, is that kind of what you're, you're you're working through for the first quarter or yeah yeah yeah. the the date isn't confirmed the retail plan isn't confirmed yet Hmm. um so we're we're kind of in a space now where i'm talking to a lot of people about the game showing people the game demoing it um and doing almost a little more of a hobby style promotion for it so yeah uh is any of this stuff secret i don't think so because traditionally how for big box stuff yeah um you put it into walmart or kroger or whatever you know you just you kind of launch it it's in there it sinks or swims you know if it Mm -hmm. does well they keep buying it if it doesn't it can be really tough to come back from that. Mm. Um, so for, for me personally, like not, not to say anything about the companies I'm working for, but uh, it's a little nerve wracking, this idea of just kind of uh, the boxes looks great, you know, and people yeah. pull it off the shelves, yeah. but uh, coming from a, a sales and marketing background, I'm just a real fan uh, and always being really hands-on with my own games as well mm-hmm. for promoting them and just talking to people online about it. Like yeah. I'm on board game arena, just like playing games of abandoned all artichokes just to make yeah. sure if anyone ever wants to play, someone's there to play with them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I want to, I want to build the stories of it. And I think even more now, I know I've heard people saying that the board game industry is really blew up during 2020 and 21. Um, and people are saying there's potentially a bit of a contraction now. Mm-hmm. And I think the games and the people who are going to make it through there, the best are the ones who just do their best to just let their games shine. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yes, you have to have a good game, but you also need to need people to hear about your game. And there's so many games out there that the more you can do to get the word out there and get people excited about it, uh, the better. Yeah. So why are people going to love Starry Night then? <laughs> people are going to love Starry Night Sky. I'm sorry. Because... Yeah, Starry Night Sky. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, It was originally Night Sky, but apparently that was too close to something else. So not Starry okay. Night Sky. Yeah. Um, 
the I think the thing that's going to strike people the most uh-huh. about this game is the chill vibe of it. it. It's still competitive, you know. You definitely there's still um, you still feel that tension of oh I, I want to go here I want to get this, um, but it makes me think of. I don't even know if I want to say Takedo because Takedo can feel very competitive. The, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. theme of it is very peaceful. You know, you're taking pictures, you're, you're eating some food and stuff. But um, yeah, Sorry Night Sky, it's a very generous game. So you're not fighting over resources. Every turn, everybody gets the same amount of resources. Uh, you have the same abilities to kind of move across the constellations and place your stars down. And then it has this really satisfying expansive feeling because the more stars you put down the easier it gets to move across the board mm-hmm. so you can make this really cool um, as constellations are completed you just hop right over them so you can in the beginning you're kind of making small moves but towards the end you can go all the way across the board um, but it's also not an efficiency puzzle sometimes your star pools can get filled up and you don't get as many resources on your turn but that's you can still easily win that way. So some mm. games are stressful because if you don't make a perfect move every time you're, you, you know, ahead of time, you're going to lose. You're like, Oh, I messed up there. So the whole game is ruined, but sorry, nice guy is not like that. Uh, it's, it's gen- generous. It's pretty chill. Um, and the scores end up being pretty tight too. So mm-hmm. if you've played a few times, there's definitely a, a strategy you can unlock there, but it's not like, you know, you've played 200 times and you're playing against a new person. You're going to beat them by 200 points. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think all that contributes to just uh, a really good feeling for the game. Yeah. So let, let's say somebody go, goes to Target and picks it up and they're like, this is a beautiful looking game. Because, I mean, the, the cover is, is is very attractive to the game, uh, but they didn't know anything about it. And, you know, maybe all they've played is Ticket to Ride and, and the, the <laughs> Ticket Ride uh, has that accessibility to it, and mm-hmm. that it feels familiar as you're grabbing cards and then playing cards. Will your um, game fam- feel familiar in any way for for somebody that just picks it up like that? I think so. Yeah, I hope so. The that's definitely my dream for it. And it's funny you mentioned Ticket to Ride. The I didn't design it this way, but I have had a few comparisons. I've had a few and I've had other people be like, oh no, I don't see it at all. Uh, but there's, there's like end game scoring goals mm-hmm. that include two unique constellations mm-hmm. uh, and you have three of them. So kind of that thing, you have things that you're working towards that care about the map. Uh, and then the fact that you have resources that you're placing down every turn, mm-hmm. um, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like what is accessibility in games or approachability? I should say. Yeah. 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 Um, and so many designers are trying to crack this nut because there's a huge market for, uh, less gamer type people to, you know, they have maybe ticket to ride, they have Catan, they have monopoly, like getting their third or fourth game, you know? Yeah. And and like a lot of those games aren't necessarily that simple. Like Ticket to Ride, if you were to teach that from scratch, um, just 
open the rule book and try to learn it. There's a lot of complexity. Catan, learning Catan from the rule book without mm-hmm. having someone to show you. Like it's simple if someone shows you, but learning it from the rules can be pretty tricky. Wingspan, you know, Wingspan oh, really yeah, blew yeah. up. Wingspan's in uh, Target and all these places. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty complex game. But I think certain games, certain more complex games are compelling enough that people will kind of stick through it and push through those uh, little maybe tricky edge cases or rules or figuring out that first or second game. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hope Starry Night has that. There's definitely, I would say there's a few, the core of it is simple. You know, you you move along the line to a space, you match, uh, you have a red star in your star pool that you put on a red star on the board. Every star you place gets points. Uh, You have mini goals that gives you points and going to a new constellation gives you points. And then there's end game scoring. So the core of it is pretty simple. There's a few little rules about uh, how you place your stars, like one star in each star pool. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's a, if you go to a constellation that was already started, you get a bonus move. So there's a few things that could trip people up. Um, so I'm hoping that I, I haven't seen a blind play test where they learn from the rules in mm-hmm. action yet, yeah, uh, which yeah. is always kind of the test, but yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, who who has influenced you? I, I mean, it sounds like as you, as you did this, you've uh, made some specific choices to get to Starry Night uh, mm. from, from your earlier designs. Who's influenced you as a designer in the last couple of years? Mm. Uh, I would say Phil Walker Harding, for sure. The, the way he's created designs such as Sushi Go mm-hmm. um, that are simple and yet still strategic, uh, I think has been really, really great to see that you can make some games that are, um, that can be fun for non-gamers or for gamers alike. And that's something that we can, uh, still pull out with, uh, different people. I think, um, the Josh Wood, the, uh, Mm. cat lady, is yeah. one of my favorite games. Very simple, uh, very drafting. <laughs> Nobody has played that game that, that I talked to. Her. That, that just makes me happy. I love Cat Lady. Cat Lady? Yeah. yeah. They're just... Cool. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I, 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 I've talked to a, a few different designers and, and nobody's uh, played it. It's just a fun little game. Anyway, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love... Um... I love cats. <laughs> oh, cats are great. You know, I definitely have a section of my board game collection that is cat board games. Uh, but this one really, really hit the, the nail on the, the head with just the, you have the take a row or a column again, getting that just simplicity and generosity in games mm-hmm. where every mm-hmm. turn you're going to get stuff. Uh, fantasy realms is another favorite mm-hmm. of mine. I always forget who the designer is. <laughs> sorry, whoever made fantasy realms, because you have all this stuff and you can get more stuff over time, mm-hmm. but you almost like fall into stuff. You know, you can still, like I play the, the cat, the cat lady app is, is yeah. amazing. Uh, and I play that a fair amount, but there's enough randomness in it too, where, you know, you might just not have, uh, have a great game. 
one day, but it's still, whether you win or whether you lose is still very fun. You still had cats and cat toys. And yeah. Yeah. You, you get to have <laughs> yeah. any, yeah. anything in the interim. Um, like another thing about starry night sky is the stars are these little plastic pieces that you pull out mm-hmm. of a bag. And as you put them onto the board, the board starts to go from flat to three dimensional and you have these really pretty stars all over it. So the, the table presence there and, um, even just matching colors, you know, I have a red star and it goes onto a red space that just those little, uh, dopamine hits and, um, positive reinforcement loops, the closer you can put the action to the feedback, uh, whether it's a point or uh, a good feeling, then mm-hmm. that can be very rewarding and it can help suck people into a game. Yeah. I, I mean, th- that's, that's exactly what you're up what you want right is somebody to have an emotional connection to your game so they want to play it again uh so what do you think has been your biggest challenge related to that then um like what has gotten in the way of maybe something that you enjoyed uh but you saw it missing as you saw the playtest happening in your games or Mm. anything like that Yeah, I did. um, (laughs) I think sometimes you can get too cute or too clever with Mm. it. I have a game that's currently titled Split the Loot that I've worked on for a couple of years now that the concept that I really love is this. You have a hand of cards either from a shared deck or from your own deck and you're kind of tuning it over time, but then you keep some amount and then you pass one to the right and the left. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really love that it's it's good for a large player counts. It's simultaneous action. So there's not a lot of downtime. Um, but in that kind of a game, like there's a lot of information happening, especially because it happens so fast. So how do you make it so I can easily see around the table what everyone is going for like if it's a very simple set collection game so some of the cards are going to be face up but then um i think a drafting game where you're spending the mental energy to make decisions of okay i'm going to give this specific card to my right and this specific card to my left i'm going to keep this card and you need Mm. to have good reasons for making all three of those decisions and often in a drafting game is like hate drafting or hate passing. It's like, well, I want to give these things to people (laughs) either because I know they, it's not going to help them or it's going to actively hurt them, which is kind of a weird, um, I don't love that gameplay loot. Like I like my games to be kind. I mean, artichokes can be mean there's direct attack cards, but it goes fast enough and there's enough of them in there that everyone, everyone kind of gets in gets to get in on the fun of using those cards. Um, but if it's just, if every decision you're making is how can I, <laughs> how can I hurt these people? Um, that's a little, that can be a little rough. So just, it's not enough. <laughs> and I've play tested this game before where people <laughs> have said their feedback has meant it works as in, you know, it functions as a game. <laughs> it's got a beginning, middle and end and we get points. So yeah, it's not enough for a game to function. It needs to be fun as yeah, well, even yeah. no matter how clever the mechanism is. 
Yeah, I I, I really like uh, that you've talked about kindness a, a couple of times. Um, mm. What what would you say is is uh, so not one of your games, but from uh-huh. somebody else, <laughs> a game that you've experienced maybe at a convention or at your local game group that you're like, you know what? I enjoyed the experience. I don't care that I lost it all, but there was kindness in that game. What, what would mm. be a game like that for you? Um, that's a good question. Um, gosh, I've been playing a lot on BGA recently. What's something I played? Mm. Um, you know, I think I'm going to see Kites, actually. Uh, oh, yeah, Kites yeah. is a pretty recent game from Kevin Hamano. Mm-hmm. And... It's a cooperative game. So you're like, oh, of course it's kind. It's cooperative. Many cooperative games can be pretty brutal and pretty mean. But of cooperative games I've played, yeah. Kites, you do get... Oh, um, yeah, and then I would say The Mind, too. Because like the, mm. the Kites, they're not the same game, but no. there's a little... <laughs> feel yeah. of a similar vibe to me it was like well i'm gonna do this and i need you to do if someone needs to do that you're not quarterbacking and telling people what to do um but you're all kind of like getting on the same wavelength then you do something and you're like oh i can't deal with this i have to do this and the person right after you deals with the thing takes care of the thing that yeah. you couldn't take care of it's like someone does the dishes for you you know or you just kind of this um report and and of course it can also break down completely if you don't have good teamwork um and it can be hard mm. and painful as well but when it works it has a very uh cool vibe to it yeah so w- with your games um if you could share any of them, like just removing the marketing and having to sell stuff and all that, <laughs> what, what would, what would you share with uh, somebody at the, at the next game night? Uh, <laughs> if I was going to, sh- sorry, I don't really understand the question. No, so sharing one of your games. Okay. And, 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 um, so you don't have to worry about selling it. This, the selling is completely gone. It, it okay. can be imprint out of print uh mm. pro, still a prototype or, or something that you wish could get made but it's probably the components are weird enough that you're not sure that any publisher would pick it up you know whatever in that whole range okay yeah yeah um <laughs> okay i'm gonna say yeah. and it's not even like a game really yet it's more of just an ideal it's called have you had enough cheese and it's based on this idea that you go to a dinner party and the hosts have too much cheese they bought all this cheese and they need everyone to eat the cheese so they're going around you know offering people uh cheese and saying have you had enough cheese uh the closest i got to it being a game is uh, I was thinking of a meta game or a convention game where you have these cheese cards and okay. different people at the convention have cheese cards, but you can't ask anyone for the cheeses that you need. All you can do is offer your cheeses to other people. Uh, so that's, <laughs> I've got not really a mechanic and I've got an idea of the theme <laughs> or aesthetic that I'm going for, but <laughs> it's, Cause every time I've tried it, it's become like a game game. It's like, Oh, well there's numbers and there's like, um, so I'm trying to find a way to get that vibe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's tricky. I, I almost feel like that could also just be a party game 
that you yeah. let people know about beforehand before coming to a party of like, hey, we're going to have all these cheeses here and maybe or maybe not limited quantities. And then like you could play it with actual cheese. Too. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Like, Yes. laughs> all this, I... Uh, the cheeses cards in right, the right, version right. that I'd worked on. So, yeah. but yeah, the idea of giving people actual cheese, uh, yes. <laughs> and playing a game. Uh, Jen Sandercock is a really cool designer who makes food-based games and uh-huh. she made a cookbook and did a Kickstarter for it with recipes, both for making the food and then for playing the games. Uh, and I got a play test her games a few years ago at Shucks. Um, so yeah, more food food based games for sure. So, uh, what cheese would you be looking for? Uh, I like <laughs> like um, an Edam or a Gouda, not smoked. Gouda. Smoked is any smoked cheese just is too not not in cheese. Keep it in the meats, <laughs> not in the cheeses. <laughs> uh, but like creamy, not quite brie soft, but like yeah. kind of soft and creamy and nutty. Um, and flavorful is and and blue cheeses can be good too but they're they're very potent so i'm looking for something a little mellower yeah (laughs) um last question and then if there's anything else that you want to um uh share about at all um you can go for it but uh if you had uh, a bit of, of advice for a designer who has, as um, you know, they have one or two smaller games and they're having trouble getting to that next level because it, it's kind of like you you have, have done that for yourself. What would you um, encourage them to do? Uh, well, I would say very first of all is to question query themselves about what the next level looks like Mm. and what exactly their goals are which uh might sound trite but it's a very serious question because i think a lot of people have no idea of what exactly or they think they know what they want but the thing Mm. that they're aiming for really doesn't work with um the direction they're coming at it from so it's like okay if you want to be traditionally published by a publisher other than yourself that's do you just want one game published to be out there or do you want to become the kind of person who do you want to make a living do you want to do this full time because all of those uh if you want to get one game out there as a hobby then that's very different than if you want to potentially make this your full-time career. And either way, there's a lot of non-board game related skills that are a part of that, that people rail against a little bit. So the, the marketing, the, the pitching, the, the business running, you're basically running your own business. You're working as a freelancer. So there's a lot of stuff. uh, And I've done all that stuff for years. So I'm very familiar, very comfortable with it. Um, but if you do want to be traditionally published and rejections, is it going to conventions? There's a lot that goes into, it's a lot of work, honestly. Um, if you believe in your game as a product and you just want to get it out there, there's a lot of ways from, just printing some copies and going to your local farmer's market or running a small Kickstarter. Um, 
there, there's ways to just get something out there. If you just have a passion for my thing is in the world. Um, and I think for some people too, they just, they, they've made kind of this big convoluted thing. That's really fun to play with their friend group and they really enjoy tweaking it. And that can be enough too. I think for some people, what they really want is just to make a thing that they can see some people enjoy and Mm. you don't need to even be published for that. So there's, when people say, I want to make a game that can mean a lot of different things. And I think Once you know what that is, you need to uh, accept (laughs) all the parameters that that, that come along with that. Like, for example, you can't say, well, I want to be a full-time published board game designer where that's the thing that I do, but I don't want to uh, have to pitch to hundreds of people. I don't want to get all these rejections. You know, you got to take all that comes with uh, whatever direction you've chosen to go in. Great advice. Anything else that you want to share about any games or anything that you want to share from old or new artwork or anything else that you, you have there? I know you said you had some stuff by you. So yeah. Yeah. Um, the, I will be at, I don't know when this is releasing. It might not release before PAX Unplugged, but I will be there. <laughs> if okay. it releases afterwards, then I, I will have missed you, but that's okay. When, when is uh, PAX? I, I'm all off my schedule <laughs> right now. Uh, beginning of December. I will have it out before then. It okay, will be out cool. Before then. Yeah. Uh, so I will be showing off Starry Night Sky there. I will have some prototypes, um, needle in a haystack and chalk probably that I'll be demoing at Unpub. I'll be on Unpub on Sunday. Um, Unpub is really cool. If people haven't heard of it, it's a, an area at a lot of conventions where you can play test unreleased games. Um, Also, you can check out, (laughs) usually I would refer people to social media, but because that's kind of up in the air right now, I'm putting people towards my my website, emilarkins.com. I have an email newsletter there. I know it's old school, but that's definitely for now the most reliable Instagram, I guess, is still maybe going to be a thing, but you can get everywhere (laughs) from from my website. Uh, And definitely if you want to keep up with Lots of announcements coming soon about games. That's probably the best place to do it. Uh, and Squabbin Goblins too is available. The uh, Jason Tagmeyer just put up the expansions as well. Mm-hmm. This is a 18 card button shy wallet game. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's some expansions there too. So check those out on the button shy website. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Cool. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, best of luck with uh, Starry Night Sky whenever it finally comes out. So yeah, I know that's hard. So yeah, thanks so much for having me. This has been super fun. Thanks, Emma. You've just been listening to Board Game Games Season 5, Episode 3, as I talked with game designer Emma Larkins about her upcoming games, what she values in game design, and kindness in games. Thanks for listening as we continue to explore the world of tabletop gaming. Happy gaming, and we'll catch you later.